0: Well, good morning and happy Easter. Welcome to Watershed. We're so glad you've joined us here this morning. Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. Go ahead and stand, welcome each other, and uh, make sure everyone here feels welcome at Watershed. going to continue worshiping our risen Lord through song. We just ask you to join us joyfully, boldly proclaiming that Christ is risen.
1: Without hope, no place to begin. The
0: love made a way, the birds come in. When death was arrested, my life began. The past was redeemed, only beauty remained. Heart was given, and my morning grew quiet. My fear rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace,
1: so free washes over me you have made me new now life begins with you
0: Released from my chains i'm a prisoner So... Joe oh, has just- sit down for just a moment here. Matthew 28 says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. We're going to sing about that now.
2: Let's stand together as we sing this next song. Steve. spirit i will rise from the ashes of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me in your name i come alive to declare your victory the resurrected king come on let's sing that together this morning by your spirit i will rise from the ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrected me, in your name I come alive to declare your victory, the resurrected King is resurrected me, by your spirit I will rise. days. His body there would not remain. Our God is robbed the grave. Our God has robbed
0: Have a seat. Yeah, praise to the risen Lord, and we invite the children up to third grade to head over to Miss Lori. We're going to pray for you as you head over to children's ministry. All right, friends. We'll
2: be so exciting. All right, Jackson, thank you for being my doorman. We're going to kind of all huddle together here today. Great. Good morning. Hi guys! All right, I'm going to say a prayer for you before you go. Your your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of all these children. All these children. There's so many beautiful um, kids who are coming today to hear about you, and we pray that today they learn about that empty tomb and you and the resurrection for them. And I ask that you open their hearts and open their ears. Um, And thank you for these little children. Amen. Thank you.
3: Well, happy Easter, everyone. Wow, that was weak. I'm like all amped up. I don't know about you, that music. There's just something about being able to worship a God who is alive, right? That's the truth of our faith. That's the truth of what we believe, that God lives, Christ lives, we live, we have life. And uh, I'll admit, I walked in a little groggy this morning. I'm still polishing off my first cup of coffee. Um, But music uh, sometimes puts words into our life. That we need as much as we know. And and I didn't know how much I needed these words spoken back into my life this morning. As much as I know them, I know this truth, and and I'm going to try to convey this in a few moments in the message. But this is, I mean, people say it all the time, this is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, But the reality is, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, every Sunday lives in the wake of that Easter morning when Jesus came alive. It's in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him that all of scripture has been fulfilled. And and we're going to get to hear that again. We're going to hear how, how Jesus fulfills everything that God promised. Jesus is the epitome of God, raised to life. And the one who created us continues to breathe his life into us. That's why we worship together, it reorients us, it focuses us. This is why we come together and celebrate, because it anchors us in the place we need to be, in a God who loves us and breathes his life continually into us. So let's uh, go again to our Lord in prayer. God, thank you for this Easter morning. Thank you that we can celebrate you and we can honor you again, that we get this gift every week. Lord, that we live in a place, in a space in this country where we have freedoms to actually worship you, to praise you, to honor you, to, to be able to lift your name up. Lord, I praise you that around the world, Lord, I, I, I know my brothers in Australia, they're the first ones to turn the page on a new day, that people all around the world have been celebrating you for upwards of 16 hours already. God, I thank you that you've been breathing your life into lives and you continue to breathe your life into us. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you who are present with each and every one of us, that's an objective, that's a factual truth, because you sustain us every day. You give us the very breath we breathe. God, that as you're with us, you'll just breathe again newness into us. Lord, what we're going to realize and, and remember again, God, while we're, we're filled with hope that you have overcome the grave, there is a reality of the grave in our lives. Both factually, Lord, physically, there is a death that we face in life. Nobody gets to get around that one, Lord. And then there are the, all these other multiple deaths that we face throughout our lives. Whether they're decisions we've made and in the sin that exists in us, the poor decisions, the miss mark, or the things we've done willfully that we just know were wrong, but we did them anyways because of the stubbornness of our hearts. Lord, it's just the spots we missed and had no clue. Or that death lives in us. We not only need a rescue from a grave, a singular death we'll face, but we need a rescue from the sin that exists in our lives each and every day. We also need a rescue from the brokenness that exists in this world, Lord, that we maybe have nothing to do with but exists nonetheless. We think around our community of friends and family who are dealing with cancer, who are dealing with heart issues, sickness, got other diseases. Those who continue to deal with the loss of jobs and, and figuring what, what's next in life. Those who are trying to pick up relationships that are, are, are long gone, but wish they never had been. God, we have a need for resurrection, a life, in the midst of that death. Thank you this morning, Lord, though, that we, we we get to be anchored in hope. That you are a God who resurrects. You are a God who renews and restores. You are a God who can do the impossible where it seems, Lord, that there was no hope. So remind us of this truth. As we... God, think of your resurrection in your life. Remind us of the truth that you are resurrecting us. The resurrected king is resurrecting us. So, God, now speak. Speak through your word, your living word. Speak through the truth of it. Lord, give me the words to say, not my words, Lord, but yours transform our hearts, encourage our hearts, renew your hope in us, breathe your life through your spirit. God, we pray these prayers and many more in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the resurrected King. Amen. Throughout this season, as we've ramped up towards Easter, we have looked at how God is more than enough for us in this journey of life. And we've journeyed through uh, the people of Israel's life and their journey out of an exile and how God lifts them and saves them and brings new life for them. We're actually going to be reminded of that truth as we dive into the Old Testament today. On a day where you're like, wait a second, we should be looking at the story of Jesus again. Well, guess what? We are. Just in a different way. You see, when Jesus was raised to life by God's Spirit, when he broke free of the tomb, he met a a couple guys on a road to Emmaus. And they didn't recognize him, but in this story is in Luke. As he walked with them, and then as he sat around a table with them and broke bread, their eyes were opened to him. Jesus then would go back through the scriptures. For us, it's not the New Testament, the, the thinner side on the latter half. It's the Old Testament, this big, chunky side. Where we tend to think, well, wait, that was then. I mean, and then Jesus, everything changed. No, he sat with these gentlemen and he pointed out to them everywhere the scriptures had spoken of him. This morning in Ezekiel, a strange book, we see a strange vision of how God turns graves into gardens. I love this image by Scott Brinkley as I've been meditating on, thinking about this message. Actually, as I've been going through the Lent journey, this has been a phrase, it's been a song that, that's lived in my heart, that God in resurrection turns graves into gardens. I love how Scott picks up the distinctiveness of this when you look at a skull and a snake. Right? It's, it's boom, right in your face, that's death. Right? It's sort of morbid, isn't it? You, you can say that right? But it's death, it's sin, right? The serpent represents Satan. What's Satan's desire to steal, kill, destroy, right? This is part of the story of God starting in chapter 3 of Genesis. The third chapter of the Bible, sin, screws up the whole story of humanity. But God doesn't let death win on this Easter morning, we're reminded that God doesn't let a cross win. He doesn't let a tomb win. Because out of that grave comes new life. And I love the beauty that flows out of it, the flowers. It reminds me, last week I took a motorcycle ride, got to put about 120 miles on. That's always a good, you know, that's, that's just a warming it up, you know, kind of ride. Went up the lakeshore, and what I love about spring is the death of winter breaking into new life, right? We look around this morning. I love, yeah, it was a brisk breeze, amen, this morning. But the sun shining again. The story of God has been and always will be God turning graves into gardens. God bringing new life where we don't think it's even possible. So I'm going to invite you to hear a crazy story. Crazy story in Ezekiel. The people of God are in exile in Babylon. They're thinking their life is done. They've seen their city, Jerusalem, laid to waste. They've been pulled out of a land, out of a home that they know, and brought to a place that is not theirs. They've they've seen their friends die. They've seen their careers laid to waste. They are literally at the end of their rope. And here God asks Ezekiel in this land to prophesy and prophesy hope, but hope that's distinct, hope that's anchored in reality. So let's hear God's word. This is from Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out to, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Right? If you saw a bunch of very dry bones, that's sort of one of those rhetorical questions, right? Can these bones live? But Ezekiel knows something about God. He knows what we know about our God He says this, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. I know if God asks me a trick question like that, it might actually, he might be doing something. He said to me, prophesy then, speak to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones, I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. I'll attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin i put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So I prophesied what I was commanded, right? I did what I was told, spoke what God said. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, God said to me again, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe, come breath from the four winds, breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up out of them. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. How do you not hear Easter morning? Dry bones coming to life. The call of Israel, though, is a real call. It's a real phrase. It's a real story, right? It's more than a phrase. It's, Oftentimes, a reality in our lives when he says our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Right? I wonder in our lives, for Israel, it was their sin that brought them into an exile. Right? It was their mistakes, their missteps, it was their disobedience. For all of us, for all, Paul says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right, our sin, whether we know it or not, takes the life out of us. It strips us apart. It makes us something we're not. I love this story because it's so absolutely like clear. It, it, it brings me back to the gravity of what the cross really was, what death really is, what sin really accomplishes in our life, what the brokenness of life actually brings. What lifeness, lifelessness actually looks like. There's a gravity to it, isn't there? I think that's part of the reason why God brings Ezekiel into a valley. It's something the disciples full well knew once Jesus had died on that good Friday morning and sat in silence on Saturday, knowing that the one they had loved and served was gone. As the women went early to the tomb, they couldn't wait to get to the tomb, but they knew they had to sit and wait in honor of the Sabbath. But yet they could not prepare their Lord's body. Death. I wonder in our lives where we see an experience like Israel, that death, that lifelessness. I wonder if it's because of the brokenness. One of the words for sin is actually brokenness. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Right? Those moments in life when we go, this isn't how it is. It's not the way. When people treat each other with with injustice, when there's a a ripping of dignity away from one another, it's not the way it's supposed to be. When you get trampled on, when relationships are broken, it's not the way it's supposed to be. When you can't provide for your family, it's not the way it's supposed to be. When you can't seem to find a friend, it's not the way it's supposed to be. In those moments, we relate to that lifelessness, that lack of hope. In this stupidity, I can't seem to shake. It's not the way it's supposed to be. In the mistakes from 20 years ago that I still regret, it's not the way it's supposed to be. From the misplaced comment to the ill-advised foot in the mouth that I think I'll be you know, serving as indigestion for the rest of the week, it's not the way it's supposed to be. The tomb, the grave, its not the way it's supposed to be. And yet Ezekiel, as he's prophesying to people who know this isn't the way it's supposed to be, we're not supposed to be here. And for them, even they knew it was their fault that they were there. God says, while I know it's not the way it's supposed to be, it's not the way it's going to be either, forever and for long. Because what does he say? He says, prophesy to these bones. And there's this rattling, much like on Easter morning when when the ground quaked and a a stone was rolled away. Here in Ezekiel, the ground quakes and bones are brought back together. God says to Ezekiel, I want you to speak the word of the Lord back into death. Man, that got me thinking that was a whole nother sermon right there. What are the things we say into those dead places of our lives? Do we speak hopelessness back into the death of our lives? Do we think what's gone is actually gone and there's no chance for it, so we speak that? Do we think what's dead and gone is dead in God and God can't possibly do something? He isn't enough. It's It's impossible. But see, God says, no, don't speak the reality of the circumstance back into the situation. I want you to speak my word back into the situation because my word was the word that created the world from the very beginning. It was my word that spoke life into being. It's my word that is actually the word Jesus that we know throughout Scripture. But it's my word that brings life. So he says, speak to these bones, and these bones come together. And I mean, the, oh, the beauty of the image, right? And the horror. Like, we're talking rated R movie, folks, right? You saw the picture. Can you imagine how creepy that must have been? But see, in the brain together of those bones, right, it speaks life. And what does God say? Now speak to the Spirit. Speak to the breath. Speak to the very thing that when God (laughs) blew into humanity, life, we went from dust to being. We went and became something more. God breathed his Spirit in. Paul reminds us in Romans 8, it's by the Spirit that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. It's Jesus who says actually in just the chapter before in Ezekiel 36 that I'm going to put a new spirit in your life. I'm going to dwell within you. It's in Pentecost that we look forward to 50 days from now where the spirit will actually make his dwelling with us forever. Not only do we get linked to Jesus and are with our resurrected king, but our Jesus decides to say, I'm going to set up shop in you. I'm going to breathe my life. I'm going to set up camp. I'm going to tabernacle in your life. I'm going to be the very life and being that you need. And there's new life. And these bones live. Now, one of the beautiful things of Scripture is it usually gives us its meaning. God's clear when God needs to be clear. And just before this passage of new life coming in the midst of what was utterly death, what seemed to be impossible was possible to God. Right before, Ezekiel says this. And this is God speaking. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, On the day I cleanse you from all your sins. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, we think about that. I know Ezekiel was going, he's prophesying to Israel and their, their, their immediate was when they get restored to the land. But as Jesus talks to the men at Emmaus, I'm sure he says, Oh, by the way, but that full restoration is me on the cross. So on that day, when I, when I save you, when I rescue you, when I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns And the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. And they'll say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. A grave turned into a garden. A recreation of God's creation that had seemed to be ruined. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed, have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will do it. We can't bring new life to the lifeless. We can't all of a sudden speak our own words and make something happen. We can't do impossible things. But the reminder of Easter morning, the reminder 500 years before to Ezekiel and to the Israelites is, God can. God is more than enough. And then he goes on to say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, once again, I will yield to Israel's plea and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks of offering to Jerusalem during her appointed fes- festivals. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. They will know that I am the Lord. There will again be a flourishing of life. That our God truly turns graves into gardens. Our God does the impossible. Because He will not let death We may feel like Israel. We may feel like all hope is lost. We may feel like the bones aren't just bones, they're very dry bones. There's no chance. But to God there is. The question of Easter will continue to always live and be there for us is do we believe that message? Do we believe that Jesus simply died and remained in a tomb? Or do we believe in a risen Savior who, who brings and turns graves into gardens? Who brings new life where there seems to be no possibility of life? Because that's his story. Whether you believe it or not, that's his story. That is true. He appeared to over 500, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He didn't just appear to Mary and speak her name, restoring hope in life. He didn't just go to a bunch of disciples hanging out in a a room, scared out of their minds that somebody's going to kill them. And he walks through. He pulls like straight up Harry Potter move, like blows through the wall. Resurrected body. Again, another sermon. We won't go there. And what's his message? Peace, shalom, wholeness. Peace be with you. To these men who were confused, on the road to Emmaus, he breaks bread. It shows that there is life, even in death. This is the story of our God. This is the truth we see in Jesus. Paul reminds us of this truth very simply in 1 Corinthians 15. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, sin, brokenness, all came through Adam and Eve's first sin. Yet, so in Christ, all will be made alive. This is the truth for us. That God will bring his life and breathe his life into this day. And that even when we face the last death, that final physical last breath, Paul writes that that death has been swallowed up in victory. That when we take our last breath here, it is our first breath in the presence of our Savior. That not even that moment can strip God's life away from us. Because as Paul reminds Ezekiel and he reminds Israel and he reminds all of us, it's for his glory. It's his reputation on the line. The God who created the world loved the world and he will not let it go. And he will not let you go. And he will not let those moments win. He will not let your decisions be your defining characteristic. He will not let who you've been Define who you'll be. He will not let that which seems to be lost and unredeemable, where there's simply no chance, no hope, and no life, stay buried. He will bring it to something new. That's our Jesus. This is our Savior. The one who changes resurrects, who redeems, and restores. This morning we celebrate communion because a part, one of the main hallmarks of what this communion is, is hope. We remember that Jesus took our sins in brokenness with him to a cross. The night that he was betrayed, he took the bread And he broke it and he said, This bread is my body given for you. Right? And just hours later, he would hang there, his life given for ours. We remember that he had to die to restore us to our Father. We also believe that in this, there is a communion. There's a joining together. So this cup is a new covenant. It's a new promise. In my blood, as often as you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. One of the things about this cup that we bypass oftentimes is that it was a cup that they shared together. It was a common cup was one. We have two for all of us here. <laughs> but for them, it was one cup because it signified a union, again, with God and humanity. Signified that we were restored to our Father who created us and loves us. It also signifies that we're brought together. There's something more than just simply Our blood that links us. No, it's his blood that draws us together. His spirit that holds us together. So we're reminded of that truth this morning. That we are with God and we are joined together with one another. And finally, communion reminds us that we have hope. That Jesus didn't stay dead. That he's alive. And that we live in him. That that life is available today and that life is eternal. So as we participate in this today, we celebrate. For a moment, I just want to, before we pray, just give you a couple instructions here. I'm going to kind of ask you to split the room and kind of work your way down towards the table. We're going to have servers at both of these tables. Um, so, as you watch the first people, it's always tricky, right, to watch the flow. So, who's ever first, follow them and then do a little around, okay? <laughs> follow the leader. But you're going to hear these words, This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Let the Holy Spirit do what God's Spirit will do. If it means that you need to hear the message of forgiveness this morning, then be forgiven in Jesus Christ. If it needs to be a message that you are restored to God, let that be the message. If it needs to be a message of hope, let that be a message as you participate. You're going to pull a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. If you're not comfortable with that this morning, we do have some cups with a couple gluten-free ones as well. Just a reminder as you take those cups, there's a top little foil that you want to pull first and in order to get the bread. Um, But nonetheless, as we prepare our hearts, let's pray. And then I'll invite you to come forward. Father God, thank you that you would not let death and sin win. Thank you that you do the impossible and breathe new life where there seems to be none. God, I pray that you will do that in each of us today. Encourage our hearts, our minds, our spirits in the freedom that you have given. When you said, and I will do it, you said it was done. You said on the cross, it's finished. So what's done isn't undone and then redone. God, what's done is done. Your rescue is complete. Now, Lord, it's being able to see that and experience it in our lives. So help us to experience it. Father, as we participate in this sacrament, this giving of your grace to us, Lord, you invite us to taste and see your goodness. As much as we've heard it, you want us to take it in. So Holy Spirit, Join us to you, to the living God, as we take of this bread and this juice. Lord, fill us with your grace, your forgiveness, your love, and your life. Again, we pray these prayers in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. If those who are serving will come forward. I invite you to come for all things are ready.
1: Desire is now satisfied.
3: The only one who can. Hope has a face, hope has a name, and it's Jesus. And Jesus has gifted us with His presence, His spirit. God has breathed His life into our lives. So are you going to speak that life back into your life? Are you going to let that life come in? Because God wants to bring life where there seems to be none. He wants to bring newness where there seems to be only death. He wants to bring a resurrection for his glory and your sake. That's his goodness to us. Thank God for Jesus. Praise God for y'all. I'm glad to call you friend. I'm glad to call you brothers and sisters. And may you just have a beautiful, wonderful, and amazing rest of your Easter day. In light of that, receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace.